Hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Weeds. Uh, I am joined uh, with Tori Nelson today, all the way from Colorado. Hello, Tori. How's it going? Good, Marcus. Hello. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So Tori and I have known each other since 2000, and I think nine, we first met in Atlanta, right? Um, yeah, I think we were both in Boston, but I think Atlanta is where we got Atlanta was Atlanta was where we really met and got hanging out and started talking. Um, you and I, you have three restaurants. You and I have something very similar in common, that we are marketing maniacs, and we love marketing. And that is the driving force of my restaurant, as is your restaurant and so many other restaurants across America, they either restaurants get it or they don't get it on marketing. So we're going to talk about marketing today. We're going to talk about uh, how you got through the pandemic. We're going to talk about your three restaurants, very uh, craft beer orientated, which I love. And I've actually been to your restaurant up there in Colorado, up in Estes Park uh, a few years ago. So we were up there visiting you and great location. Uh, We'd love to know how you're dealing with seasonal operations too, because you're very seasonal in the one location, correct? We are two, two of the three are very seasonal. Two very seasonal. So you're like fast, fast, what is it? A feast or famine. You're in that yeah, kind of, much, yeah. right? Yeah. So all of a sudden you're in high gear and rocking and rolling. So talk a little bit about how you got into the restaurant industry and your first restaurant. Uh, sure. The, um, I, you know, I started tenant bar in college kind of for something to do and uh, change the scenery and, and just kind of fell in love with the industry. Actually I was studying engineering at the time. So a little bit of a, little bit of a shift. Um, met my wife working at a restaurant actually I was a bartender she was the hostess um, and kind of through a, a group of friends connection of friends we had helped open about five restaurants with different groups and kind of got to the point where the next one was going to be ours if we were going to go through the go through the rig and roll and the, the pain and trials and all that good stuff um, and that's the Wapiti Colorado pub up in Estes Park and we got in there in 2005 um, it had been a, a solid restaurant for a lot of years, but uh, was purchased and had a couple of years of, of pretty, pretty tough times. Um, and so we sort of bought it. Um, it just looked like a really bad close, you know, but it had been closed for two months. So a whole lot of cleaning and, and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, thought we knew what we were doing, of course, until we had the keys to our own place. And then, <laughs> then the learning curve really started. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah, I know. Tell me about that. So how much money did you have when you first opened a restaurant? Did you like, you know, did you get investors? Did you do it yourself? Did you have a ton of money? Were you undercapitalized? Uh, we were way undercapitalized, especially, you know, looking back and knowing what we know now, um, we probably never would have gotten into it, but um, we had a little bit of money. We had a whole lot of time. Uh, we did have a family investor. I think we started with about $40,000, which was enough. I mean, the, the place that we got into, we basically took over the note from the former purchasee um, or purchaser, I guess. And so we kind of hit the ground without a whole lot down. Um, we already had everything we needed, all the equipment, chairs, tables, glasses. So we didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of outlay right out of the gate with that location anyway. So let me, let me understand this. You had $40,000 you opened up the company with, the restaurant. Correct. Wow. Okay. You got me beat. I opened it with 65000 <laughs> there's not too many people that are as undercapitalized as you and i that, are, <laughs> that, that, can, that can claim that they're in business 15 20 years it's later still in, yeah exactly because <laughs> <laughs> you can you can make a run of it for about a year or so being that undercapitalized but uh 15 yeah. years later 20 years later you and i are still here so wow okay 
you probably have more in inventory now than you had and you started with when it comes to beers. Between all the places, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a story I love to tell people. I have more than that in liquor now behind my bar. Yeah. All right, so you realized quickly that it was a challenge. Um, correct. Um, you know, we the, the the restaurant part of it wasn't too bad. You know, we had a, I, we're a bar, right? So we were selling burgers and some salads and a couple of pastas, things like that. Um, we opened in May and Estes Park is very summer season. We're the sunny summer side of the Rocky Mountains. So camping, fishing, and all that kind of stuff. And so we had a pretty good summer right out of the gate. Um, and then the trick became winter. Um, about four and a half million people a year go through Estes Park. So there's probably 50 restaurants for a town of about 10,000 people. Um, so getting through that is, is the tough part. Uh, my dad actually taught marketing and advertising at university. And so we, we kind of started off with the traditional advertising model, you know, lots of negative space and newspaper advertising sure we're there every week and things like that. And pretty quickly uh, I, realized that wasn't going to work in a small I market. I did the same thing. We worked our butts off all summer long. And the little bit of money I had after the first summer, I was like, okay, let me place some ads now to keep the momentum going. Yep. Traditional ads, yellow pages were still going on back then, newspaper oh, yeah. print, and people would walk in and sell me ads. And I thought, okay, great. And oh my gosh, did I fall flat on my face? I, lo I lost all my money. My bank account was empty. It was negative cash flow, and you know, time to whip out the credit cards and try to and, and try to even begin to know how I'm going to start covering payroll on year one going into right. winter. Um, how, how, what happened? What happened in your situation? About the same story, we learned about those wonderful credit card advance loans. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's probably that second year. It's like, well, we need something else that something something different to do with this. Um, and, and through a couple other friends and actually, you know, a little ad in the back of a restaurant magazine that was more of a direct marketing, um, direct marketing model, which, which is actually ultimately how you and I met each other, of course, but. Um, and started doing that with um, birthday offers and some newsletters and, and promotions, you know, like around Christmas, we had a free gift wrapping area and just trying to make it interesting so that people would come in and pretty soon that started to catch on and it got us enough through that second winter um, when we were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel to get us to the third and fourth winter when we really could start to see some growth um, and, and start to become that local place that people wanted to, wanted to come to. Um, during the winter, which is always the tough part. Excellent. So talk to me about direct mail. Listeners listening to this, people listening to this, what, what is exactly direct mail? Um, direct mail. So rather than spending $2,000 on a newspaper display ad, we'd spend $2,000, um, you know, creating, printing, and mailing an offer directly to our guests. And so we knew that for that $2,000 spend, we were gonna get anywhere from 15 to 20,000 back in guest spending. And so we could track that, uh, track those advertisements as opposed to the newspaper might have brought someone in that might not have. So now 2005, 2006, you're doing this. How are you collecting names? Was the goldfish bowl when you walk in, people drop their business cards. How are you bringing the database in? Um, we actually were using a comment card, and then we'd have people sign up with their birthdays. Um, just let them know we we're going to send them something free on their birthday, and then we put them into a drawing for, I don't remember now, you know, a hundred dollar gift certificate or something. And then, of course, one person would win that, but then everybody would win a free appetizer or something. 
So we had an offer to send back to them. And then as that list started to build, um, we could send out the, the birthdays or the anniversaries. We'd send out um, a print newsletter. And we always had to have some offers in there. Um, you know, there's some jokes, some content that wasn't necessarily restaurant or sales content. So you took it to the next um, level and you created a newsletter on top of this. Absolutely. So you're hitting, you've got their birthdays, you're sending them postcards, they're responding. Then you take the next level, you do a newsletter and with jokes and all kinds of just content, general content, right? Keep it interesting. Yeah. Give interest, give engaged. Oh, wow. So how did newsletters work? Uh, the newsletters worked really well, um, as especially as word kind of got out. Um, that's the sparks a pretty small community and people start talking about, um, what they call me captain coupon or something for a while <laughs> so, so if i can just make this analogy or this comparison so you went from the year before placing an ad into a newspaper getting lost to basically creating your own newspaper your own newsletter sending it out and so now start building up a reputation and probably i'm assuming for the same cost if not less or around the same cost Oh, probably the same or less yeah monthly yeah right so this is when people say they do marketing and they've tried marketing and when you start talking to them they really haven't tried this type of marketing and direct mail marketing is like it's like a no-brainer i just wish more restaurants would understand that and understand the value of their list so you started building a list in 2006 you are you still building a list today Oh, absolutely. In fact, the first, so we actually um, kind of morphed that into more of a, um, a very robust rewards program. And so they can start to manage the list for us because, you know, we get to the last week of the month and I'd have to set up an assembly line along the bar and we'd have the staff folding and stuffing and addressing a thousand um, newsletters and birthday cards and things like that. And so we started to use a, a, a well-built system and company that takes care of that. And so when we opened the second restaurant in 2011 and the third one in 2020, one of the first things we did was get that loyalty program set up, ready to go. And as soon as, you know, we had that initial grand reopening, if you will, um, and try to capture that name and start building that list immediately. Because that is, that, that's the cornerstone of our marketing. We do very little outside of it. That's fantastic. I always tell people when they're opening a new restaurant, the best time to start building a database is the day you sign the lease. Put a banner Absolutely. in the window, win free food, win this, QR code, scan it. And then on op- one restaurant I helped open, we had to have two grand openings. We had so many people in the database. Two grand openings, not nice. one, two. Um, yeah. And it was a built-in business the day we opened because we had to list and we were engaging with them and sending them emails and creating content for them. And, and if, if every restaurant just understood these basic things on marketing, you wouldn't have people suffering and losing their losing their life savings and losing their marriage. I mean, it's no secret that we have the highest bankruptcy rate, the highest failure rate. We have the highest divorce rate. Uh, it, it, I mean, this is all no secret. And but the answers are lying here. I mean, the, the the answers are here. People that are doing it are doing it very well. So now you decide to have two restaurants. You're underfunded. You realize what marketing really is. You start doing that. And then you pick during the pandemic to open a third restaurant, probably the worst time of all to open a third restaurant. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't have planned that like any worse. So no, not, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so walk us through that process. 
Well, we, um, so it would have been June, 2020. So, you know, that first round of regulations and everything was starting to roll back. Um, this place went for sale. So the people that opened it, um, it's called the Mayor of Old Town, 100 beers on tap. They'd opened it in 2011 and their original plan was to own it for 10 years and then sell. And so that got into year nine and they thought, well, it's probably easier to sell it while it's closed because they just shut down completely in March, 2020. Um, our oldest son um, had been in real estate for a while and actually knew the former owner because um, he was also in real estate. And this kind of used to be his study spot. Um, the, the CSU, the um, Colorado State University is just right across the street from us. And texted him, it's like, hey, we saw you guys were getting ready to sell. We just were curious, um, you know, how that was coming. And you got a text back, hey, we're doing great. You and your family are going to buy the mayor from us. Because <laughs> uh, you knew we were, you know, we were in food and beer in Colorado and kind of had an idea. And it's like, um, there's a pandemic outside in case you hadn't looked. And, you know, we things obviously were looking pretty good in the summer 2020, but we, we knew the winter probably had its own challenges coming back with it as we all found out, of course, again in November as things shut back down again. But, right. So that's the second wave yeah. show. So do you, do you have outdoor seating there? Um, we have a little outdoor seating. There's um, the, the building is about, it's about 4,000 square feet upstairs. Um, we've seen almost 200 people inside, but we're right in the middle of downtown. So the patio outside, as it was set up, is very small. I've only probably sat 35 or 40 feet. Okay. Um, we bought some fire pit tables. People were sitting outside in the snow, drinking some beer when we couldn't have them inside. Thankfully, with that much room, we could do the 10-foot spacing that the state of Colorado, where the, well, our county health department actually requested, but um, once we could be back open inside, but that was, um, yeah, that was a rough winter. It was like starting all over again, even though, it, you know, we'd been had 15 years in already. That was, is there, that was is there any lessons learned during the pandemic in any of the restaurants that you can share? Yeah, I'm currently in the market for a to-go liquor store with a drive-through window. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, you know, we, we having, having the database and having that list let us communicate with our guests um, so we could run some specials and to go things, things that maybe, I mean, I, you know, burgers and fries don't travel all that well, but we could do some pasta specials and some more dinner specials, um, shepherd's pies, things like that, that we could do in batch and then sell um, to go. And then when we did get the uh, to go alcohol here in Colorado was added during the pandemic. Um, so having all the draft lines in all three restaurants, we could fill growlers. We could do those to go um, with our buying power. You know, we could buy five cases of some local beer that they had one off of and, um, and sell a lot of those things to go. And both, you know, it's kind of scratched the itch for the guests that really wanted to go out and do something and have different food than they're making at home. And at the same time, help us keep the lights on and at least get through to the other side of this. So. Right. You know, in this first hint, my, my, my first inclination was get rid of all my food, except for the stuff I wanted to eat, right? My own yeah. personal family. But my inclination was, let's just get rid of inventory, blow things out. You know, let's get money in the bank. We're getting money in the bank and, you know, sitting on, you know, extra wine, extra beer, extra, you know, cans of beans is not going to do me any good. So blow it out. And I was shocked how people responded to literally, they would buy anything and, it just, it was a cycle that just kept going and going and going. And we were allowed to do out, out of, out of, uh, out of liquor out, out of the door as well. And we, uh, we were allowed to do bottles of wine, all this kind of stuff. And 
the deals on wine in New York here were fantastic. So I was buying wine that was normally $16 frontline wholesale a bottle for $4 a bottle. I had to commit to buying the pallet. So I'd buy 56 cases and Right. And all of a sudden, I was doing two ribeye steaks and a bottle of wine to go for 40 bucks and killing it. Killing yeah. it. I mean, where would, I mean, it was insane. And the deals were just, the deals kept coming in in the beginning because they weren't, they weren't selling wine in the very beginning. They weren't selling stuff in the very beginning. They, then the deals were just there. Beer. I remember distributors having beer half off. And we created these four packs of IPAs, 16 ounce cans, four packs, 1999 to go. And sure, I only made two, three bucks on each can, but it was still, it was moving inventory. Move, 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 Absolutely. move, move. And that was the name of the game for us. Just get it in, get it out. And at the height of our wine sales, we were selling 25 cases of wine a week. A week. Nice. Yeah. And I'm a small restaurant, 55 seats, selling 25 cases of wine. And, you know, I always say to people, I'm like, if you didn't try during the pandemic, you, you, you know, you weren't trying if you didn't make it you weren't trying because it was people still needed to eat all right so um is everything over with 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 restrictions of dining in in colorado right now is all that past for the present moment it is yeah yeah we don't have any current restrictions anywhere Um, healthcare and some stuff but yeah no rest mask nobody has to wear a mask no full occupancy okay great so the previous owners from the old town had a 10 year, had a 10 year plan. Do you have, do you have an extra strategy? Do you have a timeline? Like what are, are you having fun right now? Or is that something that's not even in your mind? Um, well, you know, one of the locations, so the Wapiti and Estes, we're, we're probably, you know, we're looking at three to five years and we're kind of see where Estes Park is going and some of that. Our youngest son is 20. So once he's done with school, that kind of frees us up for some other things. Um, our older son, Avery, I think you might have actually met him in Phoenix. Um, he kind of came back in with us. So he's sort of helping us run the mayor. And he really enjoys it. Awesome. How so old is he? Uh, he's 28. 28. Okay. My daughter came yeah. back. She's 21, 22. And she came back yeah. and she helps us run, run a few things. That's such, nice. it's, it's, it's an amazing. I want to talk to you about building a team too. But yeah, keep, keep, oh, absolutely. Yeah, keep, because that's important where you're at in three restaurants. Uh, so keep, keep going on your extra strategy here. Your son comes back. Oh, sure. Yeah. So he's, he's back and running it. So with the mayor, we, we bought the building also. Um, and so, you know, commercial real estate is, is a beginning of the extra strategy. I think at some point, right. um, whether we sell the business, keep the building or just right. cash out altogether at some point. So yeah, we'll have to kind of see where that one. I like us. that. I like the real estate strategy. Love the real yeah. estate strategy. Are Airbnbs big by you? Um, they're huge in Estes Park. Yeah, VRBO and Airbnb. There's a ton of them up there. So yeah. we we got involved in uh, in some Airbnbs, some real estate, and hosting, and we're now like the listed private chef on some online port uh, online profiles of Airbnbs, and the catering that comes from that is insane. You can charge double what you charge in your restaurant, bill for staffing, and show up to these houses that sleep twenty people. And cook, pretend you're cooking, bring everything from the restaurant, pretend you're cooking, bring your own plates in, you box everything up when you leave, you leave it like, like spotless, like you found the place and you charge a hundred bucks a person for 20 people. And it's two hours in and out. And it's just, and we just keep repeating this process over and over. And we're actually so busy with this that we are turning people away now on this. So 
um, the, you, there's a, I, I had on a, I was a guest of a recent podcast, uh, Art Linkletter, uh, Dime, Dime Line, and uh, I revealed this whole, whole, whole uh, hack on how to go on Air DNA, pick out all the best Airbnbs in your area, find out what they get a night, find out what they brought in for the last 12 months, and just target them and say, hey, I want to add, offer personal private chef services in your property. And every property owner's like, thank you so much. This is great. But you can't dilute the market. You pick the top ones and it's very, very lucrative. So yeah. And then plus owning Airbnbs is extremely lucrative. I mean, it's 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 crazy what what the what Airbnbs what people are paying to get, especially into a luxury house. It's amazing. And I think that restaurants have a unique ability to, to slide into a management position in Airbnbs. You don't have to own an Airbnb, just manage them, run the food, run the catering, and uh even weddings these larger ones do weddings you could be the the sole caterer in some of these places for weddings it's it's amazing opportunity the pandemic brought upon amazing opportunities if you were again willing to look and work if so, you're paying attention really to work for it absolutely I agree right 100 so all right so your son's back in the wapiti would probably be the first one to go um are you having fun most of the time um like everybody, you know, we're, we're scraping for staff a little bit. Um, Estes Park is kind of a unique mountain town. It's a good hour away from anything, a couple hours from Denver. Um, we get a lot of work and travel students, like the J1 um, kids that come from Europe, you know, they're college kids, they can come for six months or whatever. And we haven't had any for the last couple of years, and there's always a few that stay. Um, but the ones that stayed even at this point have left. So uh, we're, we're hoping to reload this summer. Um, Get the new place up and go, and the mayor, that's been a blast. Um, I'm used to having 100 beers around, but, you know, it's usually a can and bottle list, and so they don't change. With 100 rotating taps, that's been that's been fun digging through all that and um, getting back into the German beers and Belgian beers and um, some of those, because the other restaurants feature pretty much all Colorado product. Actually, an idea I got from you. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I remember that, that yeah. What, which yeah, was over 500 breweries in Colorado. It's not hard to find good beer here. So, right. No, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. Wow. So, yeah, I remember. So, Tori and I were part of a mastermind group. This is how we met in Atlanta in 2009. We both joined a marketing group. Tori was part of the marketing group already when he talked about his, his, um, his marketing awareness from 2006. So, we met actually at a marketing conference, joined the mastermind that Tori was part of. And Tori and I would see each other three times a year during our, our marketing conferences uh, all over the country. And we basically, I tell people, people say, well, what, what do you mean you went to a mastermind for marketing? And I always like to say, well, we locked ourselves in a conference room with 50 to 100 other restaurant owners that were highly successful. And we shared everything, shared all of our ideas and modeled, modeled promotions and modeled ideas and came back and uh, kicked butt, basically. So what is your big what is your one big promotion that you do that you'll keep doing that is that, that has come that that has just worked out over and over again? Um, I, you know, along with the Wealthy Program, I actually have one right here. There you go. Look at <laughs> that. Little red envelope. <laughs> Pass those out in uh, in December with all the Christmas parties and everything, and, and uh, turns January into uh, not the best month of the year, but certainly you know one of the one of the top four or five months instead of the, the ghost town that it used to be. So, so show that red that envelope. Cute. Show that red envelope. Explain to everybody what that is. Um, I, so like this is this is for the mayor of Old Town. Doesn't seem to want to focus on that, but um, our our big prize on this one is free beer for a year. Um, I, again, we're you know 
the 100 beers on tap. And so basically that would be a, a certificate for one beer a week um, for the whole year. And then uh, lots of smaller prizes. So everybody wins something. Um, you know, I think we have a free soft drink on there that we don't actually give any of the bottom prize. So it's a lot of free appetizers, free dessert, 10% off, $5 off, $10 off, things like that. And uh, we do that at all three restaurants and, it, and it's amazing. People come in, they start asking about them in November a lot of times. We've done it long enough now that that is, um, that's huge. As far as, you know, a big annual promotion, um, ongoing promotions, birthdays are, are easily our, our best return on investment. Right, yeah, um, birthdays. goes out to eat on their own, yeah. So. everybody goes out to eat for their birthday they either go out on their own or people take them out and like 80 something percent of people go out to eat on their birthday so right. yeah, yeah. yeah. and there's uh, usually five or six people and yeah absolutely yep yeah. so our birthday offers are the only offer we're doing right now we don't do anything but a birthday offer i put all my money into that and you know we yeah. do a, we do a few other things but not no, nothing where it's like an actual coupon or redemption uh, tons of social media tons of all this other stuff but really the birthday offer is where we put everything into Last month in April, I think we had like, I don't know, 90 birthday offers come in and they spend $112 a person average. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's just, it's unfathomable what, what some of these direct mail marketing can do is the power of this. So the red envelope is a no peaking envelope. You put, pri you put prizes in there, you seal it, you give it to them in December and they come back in in January with it sealed, right? Then they open yeah. it in front of your wait staff and win a prize. For that time Absolutely. yeah so those are those are gold too those are those are such great things and you know there's so many small things that restaurants can do like that right there like incorporate a birthday program that will drastically change the projection of their sales like drastically like not even like be close i mean uh, it's unfathomable what happened when i joined that marketing that mastermind group uh you oh, know yeah. i mean it's just i mean the the ideas that come the ideas that are there but the main thing is you have to act upon it, right? We all have to act upon it. So what's your team like there? Does your wife work the restaurants with you? Does she help you with the restaurants or she stays away? What's her role? Um, yeah, she actually has, has come back fully into the restaurants. Um, she, she taught, um, she's a teacher and, and taught on and off the, probably the last, gosh, because 2013, we had a really bad flood that came through town and shut us down for about seven months. And I was there oh, right after that. We came and visited in 2014, the year later. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we finally had everything reopen again. And after that, she pretty much came back into the restaurants. Um, so she she runs a lot of the stuff up in Estes Park right now. And then I'm kind of, um, I mean, I'm in Estes a lot right now just because we need the coverage. But then I'm kind of a, the one that moves around between the three. So we, we very much run them together. So... Do you have executive chefs in each restaurant? How, how, how does all this work uh, as far as as far as management, chefs, staff, recruiting? Um, I, we actually we don't have chefs. We do. We have a kitchen manager and a Loveland restaurant. That's we haven't really talked about that one. That one actually shares the clubhouse at a golf course. So we do a lot of golf tournaments, things like that in the summer. And that, that's the you know the real summer seasonal piece of that one. Okay. Um, we do have a, a great general manager and, and kitchen manager there. Um, Bernice is sort of acting as the kitchen manager and general manager for Estes at the moment. And then between Avery and I, we're kind of taking, taking care of the mayor right now. We've got um, great kitchen staff that's been with us for, gosh, one of the guys that's been with us seven, eight years now. They actually came down from Estes Park to help us open the Fort Collins place. Okay. Um, and so we do a lot of the, you know, menu designing and stuff like that. Um, and then those guys execute 
fantastic. Um, I, I basically spend a day a week at the mayor, uh, making sure beer orders get put in and that everything's kind of organized and on track uh, to keep on, you know, just keep things set in the right direction. So. All right, cool, cool. So any tips you have on recruiting staff, recruiting to a team, um, training a team, anything you can share? Um, I, you know, we actually used uh, Bill Marvin, the restaurant doctor. I came across his screening interview years ago. Uh, it's about 14 questions. They're kind of yes, no. And that was, that really was huge. Um, learning how to effectively interview people and, and be able to interview for personality and attitude. Um, I figure I've, I've been in the game almost 30 years now. I can teach anybody how to take an order, carry a tray, dice a carrot. Yep. Yep. Um, that's the easy stuff. <laughs> that's easy stuff, right? That's easy stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and really, and really find people that want to work and want to work hard and be been paid well for it. You know, that's the, um, we don't, we don't shy away from raising our prices. So we, there's plenty of money to pay people what they, what we need to pay them to get them to show up and keep doing their work. That is the, that is a crucial point right there. Um, a lot of restaurants are afraid to raise their prices. You need to raise your prices. You need to pay your staff. You need to put items on the menu that have, that have insane margins so you can pay your staff. Without your staff, none of this is possible. And without your staff, you're going to hate your restaurant. You're going to want to get out of your restaurant and you're not going to be having fun. And it's, and it's it, everything suffers in your life when that happens. And a lot of people are unaware of their food costs. Uh, they're unaware of, of, of they're, just, they're just not, they're clueless on, on this kind of stuff. And when you start being conscious and say, hey, you know, um, and make that different, and make, but you, have, you can't be afraid to raise prices. If you're not raising prices, you're, you're going to be going out of business. It's just the way it is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, and I'm, I'm not advocating don't offer a lost leader because a lost leader gets them in to spend money and, and spend more money on things. It gets them in the door and your other pricing is going to take care of the lost leader. And people are so against lost leaders. And they're like, you know, I would, you know, I'll go to do oysters at a place and I'll buy, you know, $60 oysters but I'm going to spend double on the amount of wine because I'm going to treat myself with a good bottle of wine. Or if the wine's jacked up on the price anyway, I don't care. I got 60 right. oysters for a buck each. I'm happy. <laughs> so I can't complain. And so people don't know really how to balance the loss leaders and charge enough to begin with. And, you know, you got you to gotta, gotta pay your team. That's the bottom line. You got to pay your team. Uh, but you have to train the team as well to, to, to expect, you know, to do with proper. Uh, I learned this recently not to even look at their resume because you made a really good point. You can teach the others. You can teach, you know, the fundamentals of cooking You can teach, you know, I learned not to even look at their resume anymore because I don't want to be skewed by what I think they've done in the past. I want to talk to a person and not know what they've done in the past and see if I like them. And if I like them, then they're a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. That's always a great place to start. Yeah. yeah, I look to make sure that they don't jump jobs every four months. Yeah. <laughs> but beyond that, yeah, the resume goes to the side. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just sit down and have a conversation, yeah. Yeah. All right, you opening any more restaurants or th th three going to be it? <laughs> um, you know, at the moment, three is going to be it. Um, the way the mayor is built and branded, um, there's there's expansion potential there, but I, I don't know if that's necessarily in the cards or not. We'll have to kind of see what the future holds expansion as another location franchising um yeah potentially more locations um we've, locations. we've already kind of joked about two or three locations here in colorado and, okay um, okay we have we we currently have the most beers on tap of anyone in colorado 
which is kind of fun. Um, wow. Unfortunately, the, yeah, the pandemic got a place. There was a place in Denver that had about 150 taps um, and a huge aged bottle list and all kinds of really cool stuff. And they just, they, they, that, that ship didn't uh, make it across the pandemic ocean. That was oh, unfortunate. That's too bad. To that's that. too bad. I love, I love the bottle age stuff. We're big on the bottle age stuff in my restaurant, huge on it. So, and the vintage stuff. Um, so where do you go out when you want a good beer? Are you a beer drinker? First of all. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can't okay. see the lower half of me to <laughs> see what that, what that does. But, uh, um, you know, here in Fort Collins, we've got about 25 breweries. We hit them pretty often. Um, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I guess, depending on the day we get recognized and pretty soon we're in the back room and they're opening stuff in the cellar and having a good time like that. But, um, Peter Burkhart that actually brought sour beers to the U S has a little brewery here in town now. Um, he, he was the head brewer in New Belgium, you know, everybody's familiar with Fat Tire and Lafayette and some of those, but, um, purpose brewing. And so they just do single barrels. It's a little three barrel system. We actually have to go pick a couple of barrels to uh, bring over here on tap and, so a lot of a lot of fun places like that. Um, River North area down in Denver's got some great breweries down there too. It's kind of a nice nice change of scenery. We can get away and not run into people that we know. And, right. Uh, a lot of a lot of fun a lot of fun stuff down there too. Who who's the brewery that that's down in town that's also in Utah, but they're in Denver there. They make the old ruffian. Uh, what brewery is that? Epic maybe. No. Not old ruffian. Um, Wow. If I look hard enough, I'll see a bottle on my shelf over there. <laughs> oh boy. Um, man, oh man. I've I always loved their beers. They were available in New York for a while. I'm not sure if they still are, but I have some old ruffian going back to like 2014, 2015. And is that is that Avery maybe doing that? I don't know. No, you know, Avery, we can't get in New York anymore. They're really not here. Um no? is Avery still I'm so I'm sure Avery's still rocking and rolling out there, right? Oh yeah. 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 I, I always bug him to do Mephistopheles because that's one of my favorite beers out of Paris. Oh, yes, yes, yes. About yes. every other year and I've got a pretty good, pretty good set going back. Yeah. So Avery, they stopped coming in. I have a few of their, well, what don't they barrel age is the question, right? They barrel age so much. I've been there twice. I, and yeah. um, I have some of the, like the, the, the tequila rum barrel, the tequila barrel. So I, I have a few of the small bottles of some things, but they pulled yeah. out in New York and just don't have a presence here, presence here. And I love, love their beers yeah oh yeah they do. especially the barrel age the big barrel age stuff um great divide is old ruffian great divide great divide yes great yeah. divide yeah. yeah they do we actually did a fun release with them with uh with their yeti okay a um, bunch of different variants and um i i'm a huge bourbon county fan uh from goose island we had, i think okay. we had the biggest release outside of chicago you did. did nine on yeah we had nine on tap and nine 16 bottles or something like that that was that was fun not nine bourbon county stouts on draft yeah yeah we had four years and then so are you uh, okay all right let's all right so are you aging the kegs now yourself um, um i do so I, I you know a keg cooler that'll hold 100 beers we've got about 100 room for 150 180 kegs down there so i've got a little corner you've got a little corner uh, i've got okay. some yeah i've got some um some of the bourbon county style a couple couple of older years and a couple of variants from last year and then we've got like a Firestone Walker Parabola from last year we're sitting on okay um some things like that we've got a nice stash of Orval so I, over time we'll have kind of a you know we can do a multi-year Orval are you doing or are you doing Orval day it's coming up the 21st of May I think 
Is um, I, we were looking at that, and with I don't think we probably will, just because we'll be busy at the other restaurants. Yeah, I, I will. We'll post something and promote it, but I don't think we're doing the promotion around. Yeah, we've directly. done it in the past, and then we just got the notice. So all right, so I, I loved, I love the aging, the aging the kegs. I love that because I do that myself, and we have a, like a 2017 old Rasputin barrel on draft right oh, now. Nice. Yeah, so. People Let me know what that one's going on. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> that, people are flipping out over that. I got a 2018 CBS. Um, I, I, I got I got some. It's expensive to do this, right? But yeah. the wow factor for people that know those beers, like it's insane. The wow factor because people are like, where are you getting this? How are you getting this? And and nobody nobody else has. So you literally had like the the largest uh, Bourbon County Stout tapping or 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 party release one of the largest yeah. in the country that's awesome yeah so, the, yeah the sales rep there said it was the biggest one outside of chicago so that, that that was pretty cool yeah that's awesome so tell us how tell us some of the advantages or some of the perks or some of the things that 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 set you apart as far as the beer as far as marketing as far as drawing that beer culture beer beer drinkers it's a it's a really the whole beer culture to begin with like we would do wine dinners. And if it says it's going to rain out, people cancel for the wine dinner. You do a beer dinner and people drive in a blizzard for a beer dinner. <laughs> they're just different people, right? And I, they are, they are. Right. So it's a whole different culture. And all the brewery owners like work good together. Like you go to a beer festival and they're all sitting there drinking together, all having a good time together. They all like each other, right? Oh, they all know each other. Oh, absolutely. You know, so it's, it's one of those things like, wow, why, why can't every industry be like this, right? So um, what are some of the, what are some of the, the, the advantage or advantage of like, 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 the, like you've got an insane beer list. Like, what are some of the perks that you get? Like, like, as far as like from sales reps or from companies or whatever, like, like, is, are, is anybody like, coming in and saying like, Hey, come to Belgium with us, or you should do this. Or I, I got super release rare releases for you. I got some, some cool stuff. Like, like talk, talk to us about that. Sure. Um, I, well, yeah, we, we get, we get various offers pretty often. Um, you know, if, if the regional reps are in town for like Guinness, you know, for example, they always come here. They always come by the mayor. Um, getting, you know, we've had three breweries now. I think we've brewed collaboration beers with, that's cool. Um, so which is always fun, yeah. You don't brew beer yourself, but you're in their collaboration, or how does that work? Um, yeah, so like we go in. So one of them that we did, um, I was there for the whole brew day, mostly drinking beer with the brewers, but you know, I poured the hops in, so I got to make the beer. Right. It's kind of a joke. And um, and some things like that, like Odell Brewing, um, probably one of the best known and, and largest breweries in Colorado, and in, in my opinion, one of the best. They're in about 20 states now. They're growing slowly so they can maintain quality, but they brewed a beer for us since we had reopened and got them back in here. And it was just Mayor Red. Um, and so things like that are really cool. Pretty often we'll get somebody call us like, hey, I only have three kegs of this whiskey barrel-aged quad. Um, and we'll just buy all three of them. You know, we have the, the capital and the room to sit on them. And then the other two or three beer bars in town also don't get them. So, I, you know, we, we play nice up to a point. <laughs> right, right, right. Because really it's all about what you have and what other people don't have. I, exactly. Because and, you know, I, it is, it is. And with, and with yeah. 5,000, 6,000 breweries in America, there's plenty of beer to go around for everybody. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Like when Russian River finally got some Pliny back into Colorado, you know, there was only four kegs. Well, we got two of them uh, between our places, which, which was kind of cool. And so we get some of those opportunities. Um, and we're happy to play the game too. We understand that. So, um, 
one of the breweries here in, in Colorado, Dry Dock, they do a lot of um, a lot of great stuff. They skipped two of their anniversary parties, so they had all this barrel aged stuff they were waiting on. So we actually did a, a six you know six handle release, and it was a 2014 coffee porter, a 2016 barrel aged double vanilla porter, and a um, their apricot blonde aged that almost turned into this Belgian triple taste, and it was crazy. I never would have expected that beer to do what it did, but. Um, and with having 100 handles, you know, what, what is a takeover in most places um, is just a nice little section of the wall. I think we had six deliriums on at the same time from Belgium. Um, so, we, you know, we got the glassware in and the rep came out and was talking about the beer. We just, it, it just affords us the opportunity to do a lot of really cool things like that. Um, to serve the beer community because there's people out there that are really interested um, in that growth, we've got a couple of people that follow us that are, um, they're working on actually advanced Cicerone, uh, I, you know, the beer certification program, and they'll watch what we tap and come in when there's a style they haven't had or a beer they've right. heard of or something like that, which is really cool too. So that's really cool. Yeah. So you're studying for the beer exam. You, you need to know more about whatever it is, a farmhouse Saison and you tap a farmhouse Saison. So they come in to fish to officially do some studying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love that. Love the first that. couple of flights, you know, there's a notebook out and then the notebook. <laughs> <away>. <laughs> that is awesome. I love That's that. Good. So how can people find you? Instagram accounts, Facebook, what's the best way for everybody to find you? Um, I, yeah, we're, we're pretty much everywhere. Um, Wapiti Pub Estes, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Birdie's Loveland. So the, the um, golf course restaurant is actually Birdie's. Okay. And then mayor of old town. Um, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we've got pretty good following. Over, I think I want to say 13,000 fans or thereabouts on Facebook and okay. Instagram page has grown. We kind of been working on that one a little bit and, and uh, Twitter run untapped um, is where we track all of our menus for all three restaurants. Untapped. Yep. I follow you on untapped. So I get a notification constantly that you're tapping something. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's a daily, not daily notification. <laughs> I, just follow, I just follow you at the Wapiti. I don't follow you at Old Town because I'll have to follow you now at Old Town. I'm sure that'll be every couple yeah. of hours something getting tapped. There's this. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Tori, this has been awesome. Really been awesome. Any advice to anybody going into a into the brew brew world as far as opening up a beer bar? Any advice you can give anybody? Um, I, I, you know, definitely spend some time in the industry. I think the one thing that I see. Is people, it's like, well, you know, I retired from my accounting job and I love beer. I want to open a brewery and I homebrew. Um, that's great. Spend six months working in a tap room or, um, you know, being a brewer's assistant, something, spend some time in the industry. I think a lot of people that want to come in um, approach it as the art. You know, they've got grandma's meatball recipe if it's a restaurant or something. That's great. But you've got to approach it as a business and with some understanding of how those inner workings are. And I think that's the big thing that helped us been 17 years ago getting in as we we watched the numbers you know we figured out what prime cost was we tried to see what those returns on investments were and um and, and beer and brewing you know the, the, the brewing world like you were saying there's just there it's a lot of great people talk to five or six different breweries and and get some input and see what their thoughts are yeah you know we get we get beer in kegs from the brewery across the street pretty often because they ran out of ran out of cooperage and, and needed to put their beer in something to get it out um, and it, it really is a great community, but, uh, yeah, you know, spend, spend some time in it. Don't just, uh, don't just jump in. If you're, if right. You're a lot of people like to open a bar cause they like to drink. Yeah. That's probably the worst reason to open a bar. You'd save a lot of money 
we just went to a bar. A lot of people don't realize that. I'm going to open a yeah. bar. I love to drink. And they think they're going to drink for free. And before they know it, it costs them far more to open, <laughs> open the rest, open a bar. That's, that's, uh, really just... another bar, right? They could have saved a hundred thousand or so. Yeah. <laughs> not, not counting the legal fees. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, Tori, thank you very much. Would love to come out and see you out there soon or hook up with you at a conference. Um, so uh, I need to get back to Colorado anyway. So uh, absolutely, that'd be a good reason. I have some friends up in Fort Collins as well. So I got friends all over the state. All right. Awesome. Great talking to Tori. All right, everybody. We're out of here. Good work. Thanks.